And I want to get right back into um, this series, these talks that we've been doing in this um, discussion we've called Lost. We've been talking about this battle that, that we find ourselves in, in our life, for our life. First couple of weeks, we discussed the battle for our hearts. So many of us get lost. We give up on the life we were created for. Instead of, instead of entering the fray, instead of doing what the Bible calls us, the Bible says, fight the good fight. It kind of assumes that we would understand that there's a battle going on in the world and what we've been born into. Instead of entering into it, so many of us just shrink back and, and give up, check out, or allow ourselves to get taken out by the enemy. Find ourselves on the couch as the world goes by, as our children grow and leave, and literally our hearts and our homes and the world around us, we watch as it literally goes to hell. We identified the enemy to our hearts and how to get our hearts back. We talked about that. It's so key. Check out those talks if you missed them. They're, they're on Facebook. They're on our webpage. They're foundational to understanding why so many of us find life so boring and monotonous. I have to tell you, I've been blown away by a couple of the stories some of you have shared. I'm, I'm going to try to get a friend up here that came up to me after the first talk and said that, that God really was speaking to her and said, this is not the life I'm supposed to live. I've just... I, I, I'm playing it safe. I, I got to enter the fray. And, and she did something radical. And the story that has come out of this is just incredible. Um, she decided she wanted to live again. Now, last week we started a discussion about our souls, how we lose our souls and what the enemy of our soul is. So your soul is the immaterial part of you. If you were here last week, I, I, I shared with you the way I describe it to my kids as they got older. When, when, when we lost someone we loved, I, I was trying to teach them that it was their body that died, but that their soul was, was created for immortality. So I would take them and knock on their little arm and hold it up and say, are you in here? And they would go, no, I'm not in there. Um, and it was a way of teaching them, see, your physical you is not just you. You have a soul. See, you all have a soul. Every human being that God's ever created has a soul. And we share something in common. Every human being that's ever been created has a soul, and that same soul has been separated from God. Born, not born, not connected to the only true source of life, but broken and separated from the only true source of life. If you were here a couple years ago, we did that series, Fruit of the Spirit, where we cut the tree at its root, and you saw that the tree withers and dies. And that's the condition our souls are brought into the world in. A desire for life, but an inability to connect to the only source of life. And so you know what happens to your soul? The human soul then begins a constant longing, a constant pursuit of reconnection. In our search, think about it, we even put names on it. You know, our, our soul goes searching for connections. We, we, call, we look for perfect loves and we say we found our soulmate. That's a, that's a fallacy. In fact, that's something that the world system, that's something our culture keeps perpetuating on you. Your soul will be complete. What does it say to single people? What does it say to our daughters who, who feel as if they're incomplete on their own until they go and find some guy because he'll connect to their soul and he'll bring them life? This is why I spend so much time talking to couples. Couples, listen to me. Your husband or your wife was never meant to complete you. 
That is a lie of the world system, of the culture. And we breathe it in and we say, oh, that's true. My soul longs for completion, so I'm going to look for a man or I'm going to look for a woman. Here's the deal. It is unreasonable, unfair, and ultimately it is an unfulfillable demand you're putting on your spouse. Your soul was meant to be reconnected to the only source of life available to it. And that's to God through Jesus. That's the deal. And when your soul comes alive, when it gets reconnected to the only source which can bring it life, then the scripture says there's something in your spirit that is reborn. It is born again. Now see, just like your heart, your soul has an enemy too. And the enemy of your soul lies. That's what our enemies always do. We're going to talk about a third enemy in the coming weeks. And these lies are perpetuated by what the Bible describes as this world system which has been put in place and ruled by evil. Jesus calls this ruler the prince of the power of the air. He also says he is the ruler of this world. Why? Because the world system and the cultures in which we find ourselves, they're so deeply steeped in lies We breathe them in. We live them out. We try to get good at it. We go away to schools to learn how we can get ahead because that'll provide connection for my soul again. We work so hard just to succeed within it, but we never realize, most of us till our dying breath, that the whole thing was a sham. We lived our life out of a lie. Our souls never find what it was looking for. The second enemy, as I described it to you last week, this world system, its chief weapon, really maybe its only weapon, are these deep, profound, and powerful lies it tells you. May I share with the first service? It's funny, my, my son, I was telling you, is in the back. I tell Caleb all the time, right? Caleb, the most important thing is school. It's really important. I really, the most, you know, I care most about school. And when Caleb comes home from school every day, you know what the first thing I ask him is? How is wrestling? Because <laughs> there's this lie, right? At first I tell him a lie that the school is the most important, and then I actually send him a message that's even stronger, which is sports is more important. And none of it's true. This is why, this is why we have this second icon in our discipleship model here at Menem. The first is the heart. We have to take the truth that we come to know and move it to our heart. And the second is the truth. We can't love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength if you can't find him, if you can't find your heart and your soul. So where do you find truth? That's a deep question, man. That's a philosophical question. Is there even truth? Here's what the writer of the book in the New Testament, there was a, uh, the authorship is debated, most people think it was Paul. There's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews. And the writer to the Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 4, For the word of God, the Bible as we know it, is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. In other words, the word of God The Bible as you and I know it today is not mere ink blobs on papyrus. All that you see when you're handed that book is not all that there is. There is something, and this is what we need to pursue in the scriptures, not just merely knowledge. There is something spiritual in these words 
in these stories. It has the power to bring your soul back to life. It has the power to tell you the truth in a world full of lies. See, these these stories in the scripture, the truth of the scripture is important not because it teaches history, not because you need to know all of the laws of Leviticus, not because you need to be able to outline all of the missionary journeys of Paul. That's all well and good. The Bible, the, the, the scriptures are important because as you take them in, they get through the defense systems of your heart and they make their way down into your soul. It tells the truth to your soul And you can come back to life. The Bible teaches, it's very clear, I don't have the time to go through all the verses, but it's very clear that all sin, all the stuff we get ourselves caught up in, all the stuff that leads us away from God and the life he intended us to have, it's all undergirded by deception and lies. Deception and lies is at the heart of every sin. And we looked at last week. That goes all the way back to the first sin as Satan slithered himself through the garden. He lies. And when you buy the lie... You become ensnared and enslaved, and you, 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 in a sense, start working for this lie. This is why Jesus told Pilate, I hope you found this as fascinating as I did last week, when I asked you, what is the reason? Jesus said one time, this is the reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. I asked you the question, and we were all honest enough to say almost none of us knew the answer because nobody talks about it. But when Pilate said to Jesus, why did you come? Jesus said, the reason I came, the reason I was born, my whole point in coming to the world is this, Above all other things, to testify to the truth because the whole world is living under a lie. This is why in John 8.32 he says, then you'll know the truth. I'm testifying to it. As you know me, I am the way and the truth and the life. As you come to it, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Don't you want to be free? As I've been studying this, I just, the lies that I believe, the lies I allow in, the lies that I live my life out of. I mean, think about in your own world, right? The lies of the world, the lies about the way you look, lies about your past, the lies about your purpose. The lies that you aren't pretty enough, or you aren't strong enough, or you aren't tough enough, or you aren't successful enough, or you aren't rich enough, or you aren't nice enough, or you aren't successful enough. These lies that you let in, that I let in, cripple your soul. They disconnect it from truth. And you and I will spend 40 and 50 and 60 hours a week enslaved to a lie. These lies, they tell our prepubescent daughters that they need to start putting on makeup because otherwise the other boys in 6th and 7th and 8th grade are not going to like them and their value is really tied up in their looks. These lies that keep telling our sons, unless they're the strongest kid in school, unless they're the best kid on the team, their masculinity is really at risk. Don't you want to be set free? Don't you want to take this weight, this, this falsehood off the shoulders of your kids? Jesus, as he was in preparation for for these last days in his ministry, went to his father. And his prayer for you was this. He said, in John 17, he said, Lord, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. 
Where can it be found? Jesus said it can be found in the word of God. And so we have this incredible weapon. All of us have it sitting home on our desks. Most of us have multiple copies of it sitting around, and we look at it as if it's just ink on paper. But the scripture says you've been given an incredible weapon. It can literally bring life to your spirit. It can revive your souls. It can reconnect you to God. It can set you free. It can release your children. Jesus says there's this one tactic in our battle for our hearts, or excuse me, for our souls, and it's the truth of the word of God. But so few of us want it. So few of us know it. And if we're really honest, really honest, I'm asking you to be really honest in your own life, many of times, very few of us even believe it. I mean, why if it's so important, why, if it's so critical, why would even those of us who say we, we, we want to follow God, why has the word of God in our day lost so much power and prestige? The answer is always the same. Because you've been lied to. Because I've been lied to and I breathed it in and I took it in. Been lied to by the world system. It's been perpetuated into our culture, in our day, in our time. And the lies are powerful and we just believe and believe and believe. Here's maybe the most powerful one that's kind of overtaken us in our day. It's that science and faith are incompatible. That you have to somehow, oh, if you're going to believe that, you're just going to have to check your brain at the door when you walk in because God isn't real and there's no way the Bible is true. And see, we think that we're kind of a, you know, we're a smarter crowd today. We're a more sophisticated crowd. Yes, people hundreds of years ago believed this hogwash, but today we have science and we know that many of these things aren't true. But that's not the reality. It is nothing, there is nothing new under the sun. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He goes, ever since man has been able to think, they've been wondering what this universe really is and how it came to be. Now, it's interesting, sidebar here. Lewis says this, he goes, ever since men have been able to think. Anybody want to know why he said men have been able to think? Because women have always been able to think. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. I'll collect tips later for that one. He goes on. This is what he says. He goes, look, very roughly, two views have always been held. This is nothing new. First, there's what's called the materialist view. People who take that view think that matter and space just happen to exist, and they've always existed. Nobody knows why, and, that's, and that the matter, behaving in certain fixed ways, has just happened by a sort of a fluke to produce creatures like ourselves who are able to think. That's one view, Lewis says, of, uh, of man. It's a materialist view. But he goes on, he says, the other view is the religious view. And according to it, what's behind the universe is more like a mind than it's like anything else we know. That is to say, it is conscious and has purposes and prefers one thing to another. Lewis would go on in in this profound work, Mere Christianity, if you haven't read it, you should. He goes on to say, don't think that these are new arguments. This has been going down on from the foundations of the earth. And so in our day, no different than any other day, there seems to be this general feeling, this generally accepted idea that hangs out there that you need to choose the science or the materialistic view. And ultimately, especially in our age, there seems to be this concept that the, the science view won. 
And if you're smart or sophisticated, you have but no choice other than to abandon God and his word. But you know this is not true. Because you know and understand that science, as wonderful as science is, and this is not a bashing of science, right? I mean, science has provided incredible things for us. Science is truth, and truth is of God. So science is wonderful. But science is not the only way to know truth. You know this. There is truth that can't be validated by scientific method. This question is not to be dismissive of science, right? But you know that there are things like moral truths. You know that there are things like right and wrong. And you can't put those things into a test tube and get results. Let me give you an example of, of this kind of discussion that we're going on to here, which is this kind of scientific view, uh, this materialist view versus this faith view. And to do that, we're going to have some fun. I had two of these up here this morning. I only have one left. I'm going to need a volunteer. I need a brave volunteer and an athletic volunteer. Who's going to help me? I love it. Head to the back of the church, sister. Right back there, dead center. Now, this is your prize for having guts. You're going to get the box, you get to take it home and all the rest, as long as you catch it. And it doesn't matter where I throw it, you are responsible for catching it. Right? All right, here we go now. That's yours. Take it back. Here, Renee is going to bring you the box so you can re-gift later. <laughs> now, why did I do that? Here's, here's what I want to show you. There, what you just saw, I tried to do the work on this. I wanted to do the mathematical formulas on the physics behind what you just saw. By the way, I hit Eric Brome in the chest so hard in the first service, I think he's got a tattoo on it from... <laughs> well, let me go on. <laughs> But the, has anybody seen the ESPN Sports Science Minute that they show every once in a while? It's the coolest thing on the face of the earth. So I'm trying, I'm going, I'm going to describe for people the science of how I threw that football. I can't do it, it's too complex. The, the mathematical formulas were well beyond my pea brain, but I can tell you what went into them. You need to deal with velocity, force, acceleration, gravity, speed, ball rotation, and you need to understand the dynamics of gyroscopic torque. It's all true. And what you just saw fulfilled all three of Newton's laws regarding objects in motion. I mean, science is incredible. It's wonderful. Now, let me ask you a question. How'd that ball get there? I threw it. When you come into the kitchen and the kettle is whistling and someone says, why is the water boiling? One person answers, because burning gas has been set aflame, heating the water. And another answers, because I wanted a cup of tea. Who's right? They both are. See, one person speaks in non-personal causes about mechanical forces. That's what science does. That's its beauty. That's its wonder. You don't dismiss it. You embrace it. But the other talks about personal purpose and intention. It's not scientific, but it is true. And it's really, really, really important. Science is not the only way you know truth. That's why all around the world there are moral truths, things that we all know to be right or wrong. Living purely for ourselves is not good. Human life has incredible value. We all know that, but I can't prove it scientifically. Here's what we all know, though. When, when cultures follow science at the, at the expense of all of these other things, 
cultures wind up in really dangerous waters. All truth is not scientifically provable. And when you start to believe that it is, lies start to get into your head, and they lead you to really dangerous places too. Incrementally, our culture has come to believe things that are not true and move to bad conclusions. Conclusions like, life is random. It's pure chance that you're here. Life has no meaning, no purpose. It's without intent. Dr. William Provain is a Cornell University scientist. He summarized this view of science. It's called scientism, where unless science can prove it, it's not true. He, he covers this view when he said this. Let me summarize my views on what modern evolutionary biology tells us loud and clear. There are no gods. There are no purposes. There are no goal-directed forces of any kind. There is no life after death. When I die, I am absolutely certain I'm going to be dead. There is no ultimate foundation for ethics. Do you see where this leads, church? There is no ultimate foundation for ethics. There is no ultimate meaning to life. No free will for humans either. Now, none of those conclusions are actually scientifically provable. but our culture just breathes it in. Carl Sagan, you might remember him from when you were a kid. He was on Channel 13 all the time, right? Carl Sagan said much the same thing. He said, we live on an insignificant planet of a humdrum star. Listen to the words, right? Insignificant planet of a humdrum star lost in a galaxy tucked away in some forgotten corner of a universe in which there are far more galaxies than people. And you breathe it in. Insignificant. Random, small, unimportant. But that's not the conclusion. This idea that the universe is big and gigantic and wondrous and well beyond what we could measure or understand, that's not breathtaking new science. The psalmist thousands of years ago in Psalm 8 said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind? that you're mindful of them, and human, human beings that you care for them. Same issue, different conclusions. It says God created us in, in, with such glory, and he made us in, in this divine image. He made us a moral agent. He cares for us. He's mindful of us despite our size. You see, if significance was measured by size, whales would be the most significant creature on the face of the earth, but they're not. You are. I mean, if you and I are just merely products of evolution, if we're just supersized apes, then here is where that worldview, that lie takes you. You have no purpose. And that's why this series has been resonating with me a lot and with, I know, many of you. Because man, for as far back as knowledge goes, has been seeking one thing, asking one question. I have this dog. His name is Moose. Um, and he sits on the couch with me. He's about two years old, and he can't get close enough. And he's always just looking in my eyes. <laughs> and so I have these fake conversations with Moose all the time. He never answers. But I said to him, Moose, I said, do you ever wonder if you're just wasting this day? Right? Because he doesn't do anything but sleep. And he never does. I've never once caught Moose wandering the house going, what's the point of all this? <laughs> but you do. You do. 
And why do you have that? Because lies will lead you to believe you have no purpose, but you know you have a purpose. Here's what C.S. Lewis, again, back to mere Christianity, said about this. He said, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for these desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, then there's such a thing as food. And a duckling wants to swim. There's such a thing as water. People feel sexual desires. There's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was meant for another world. A few of you guys sent me some fascinating stuff this week regarding this same debate, as if science and faith were against each other. Somehow we breathed that lie in. We talked a little bit, we briefly touched on the Big Bang Theory last week, right? If you just listen to the theory of creation as posed by scientists through the Big Bang, you would conclude that science has proven once again the Bible to be wrong. Once again, there is no need for God. But just like the football that I threw to the back of the room earlier, the Big Bang and science in general actually do more to validate the truths of Scripture and the existence of God and the rationality of faith, perhaps more than any other singular scientific theory. Here's where you might not know, because most of us in this room grew up with the Big Bang Theory. We, we, were, we <sighs> breathed it in. But prior to the Big Bang Theory, only about 100 years ago, all scientists believed that the, the, the mainline thought was that all of creation as we know it, the universe, matter, space, had always existed. That it had no beginning. Listen, science taught that it had no beginning. But now science has proven that it likely did come from a single point in the beginning. Francis Collins was head of the Human Genome Project. He was head of the National Institute of Health. He used to be an atheist. But as I understand it, he is now a radical, devoted follower of Jesus. Here's what he wrote. He said, the existence of the Big Bang begs the question, what came before that? And who or what was responsible? It certainly demonstrates the limits of science as no other phenomena has done. The sense of awe created by these realizations has caused more than a few agnostic scientists to sound downright theological. In God and the Astronomers, the astrophysicist Robert Jastrow wrote this final paragraph. At this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. And for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. There's another Nobel, Nobel Prize winning scientist who discovered the, cosmic discovered the cosmic radiation theory that helped support the notion of the Big Bang. Here's what he wrote in the New York Times. The best data we have are exactly what I would have predicted had I nothing to go on but the five books of Moses, the Psalms, and the Bible as a whole. Church, quit breathing in the lies. They're leading you to bad places. Do not allow the prince of the power of the air to just have unfettered access to your soul. Science has not invalidated faith. If anything, it's undergirded faith. 
Scientists and Christians, people of faith, should be together joined in an unending pursuit of truth. We are not against science. We should be leading the charge in science. Truth is of God. All truth comes from him. The church should lead the way on this. Because at the end of it, you'll find truth. And the truth will set you free. Lewis concluded this discussion this way. He said, listen, church, God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other kind of slacker. And if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something that is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. I came that you might know the truth because the truth will set you free. You and I are in a battle for our souls and our spirits against the lies of the world. And Jesus says in his final prayer, Lord, make them holy, make them different, set them apart, set them free by the truth of your word. I have lots to say about this, but I don't have much more time. But you got the word of God sitting around your house somewhere collecting dust. Or so do I. And it is not merely blobs on papyrus. It has the power to bring life back to your soul. It is the power to separate lies from truth. There are plenty of reasons that you should believe the Bible. You should not check your mind at the door. Let me give you a couple just off uh, randomly, quickly. Things that you might not even have ever heard of. Archaeologically, the Bible has been proven to be true over and over. If you went back a hundred years ago, there's a, a community in the scriptures known as the Hittites. Over 50 times in the Old Testament, the Hittites are brought up. Yet, for most of the modern era, the, the Bible has been made fun of because there was never anybody that had ever heard of, seen, discovered, or known of any Hittite culture ever until about 100 years ago when a sociologist was working and digging excuse me, an archaeologist named Hugo Winkler. He visited a city in Turkey, and upon excavating portions of the city, he found a breathtaking number of human artifacts, including five temples, many sculptures, and a fortified castle. But more important, he found a huge storeroom filled with over 10,000 clay tablets. And after completing the difficult task of deciphering the tablets, it was announced to the world the Hittites had been found. So you've been given a great gift. You've been given access to the truth, and if you will take it in, the truth will set you free. See, you can look at the Bible. You need to understand it's likely true for lots of reasons. How about the unity of the Scriptures? Forty different authors writing over a period of 1,600 years pen 66 books of the Bible. 400 silent years separate the 39 books of the Old Testament from the 27 of the New. Yet from Genesis to Revelation, they tell one unfolding story over and over and over again. There is one to come. There is one to come. There is one that's come. There is one that's come. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's coming again. You've been given access to the truth. And if you will love the truth, if you will allow the truth into your heart, the truth will set you free. The scriptures can be relied on. How about the, the law of fulfilled prophecies? You know, there's, uh, many scholars think there was up to 300 um, prophecies fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. 300 of them. Interesting quote, though, um, by a guy named Peter Stoner in a book called Science Speaks. He says that using the modern science of probability in reference to just eight prophecies, okay, just eight, 
He says this, we find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled all eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th. That would be one in, does anybody know what that number is? He goes on, in order to help us comprehend this staggering probability, he illustrates it by supposing we take 10 to the 17th silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all of the state two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him to, that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up the one silver dollar and say that that's the right one. What chance would he have of getting that right? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing just eight of the prophecies that have come true in one man. You've been given a great gift the truth of the word of God, it can change your life and fulfill your soul. You don't have to live in the lies any longer. You should believe the scriptures. Jesus, who lived the most historically documented life and death of anybody in his time period, always went back and, and quoted the Old Testament. He believed in the truth of the Scriptures, he relied on the truth of the Scriptures, and he spoke on the truth of the Scriptures. How about the transmission of the Scriptures? Do you realize how incredible? See, what you hear all the time is, well, how do we know there's not all these errors, and, you know, this was handed down over time. Does anybody know the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Is it, this is the cave they were, they were discovered in. In 1946, it's, it's, it's on the northwest rim of the Dead Sea, and, and a shepherd boy went into the cave, and he found a broken jar, and it yielded documents that had been hidden for 2,000 years. And here's what they found. They found manuscripts in that cave that, church, listen to this, that, because you need to know the truth. They found manuscripts in that cave, in that clay jar, that predated the previous oldest copies of anything available by 1,000 years. And one of the most important was a copy of Isaiah, and it revealed a document that is essentially the same as the book of Isaiah that appears in your Bible at home. You have been given a great gift, the truth of God. And if you will take it in and value it and treasure it, it will set you free. I could give you more. Sometimes Christians say silly things like, why do you believe the Bible? Well, I believe the Bible because the Bible says I should believe it. That's stupid, right? So that's dumb. But it is interesting when, when, when you historically line it up with all of the other reasons to believe the Bible. What is interesting about the Bible is the Bible is not a book written by men that other men sit, looked at and said, oh, that must be the word of God. The Bible, for the most part, claims to actually be the word of God. Interesting. I could give you lots of others, but let me, let me conclude with this. The most important one, I think. The reason you should believe the truth of the scripture is the evidence of the changed lives that it's produced. Because it's done exactly what the writer of the Hebrew said. It has brought the soul and the spirit back to life. It's regenerated spirits of those who have come to this truth like no other book. Nothing has had its impact. The very truthful, truthful word of God has had uh, on the lives of people. It is not blobs on paper. It has power. It is alive and it's true. And church, if it's true, if it's true now, if you will believe it, if you blow some dust off it for a moment, if you'll stop trying to study it like it's a scientific document or a historical document, and you say, Lord, what is the truth that you want to jam into my soul? What need, how, does it, how is this going to feed my soul today? If you will do that, 
here's what you're going to find out. You are not an accident. That is a lie. You were a forethought. You are not a conglomeration of cosmic dust. You are a precious, adopted, loved, planned for, hoped for, dreamed of son or daughter of the Most High God. See, here's what you'll find in there. Don't believe the lie. You're not pointless. You're not random. You're not without purpose. That's a lie. You were destined for glory. You were designated for greatness and grandeur. Your life was given to you. Your looks were given to you. Your bodies were given to you. Your talents were, were, were invested in you. Your temperaments, your likes, and your dislikes were given to you by God on purpose. For his purpose. To give you purpose. Your life matters. You have meaning. Go find it. Don't believe the lies. And lastly... You're not alone. You don't have to do this all on your own. You don't have to. Stop trying to find a soulmate. There's no soulmate for you down here. There's no man or job or career or accomplishment which is going to fulfill you. You were not made for this world. You were made for another. Your heart wasn't made to be captivated by a man or a woman or a job, but by a God whom in Jesus showed you how valuable you are, how purposeful you are, and how much he loves you and wants you and walks with you and seeks you. Seeks you on the days where you want to hide. Binds you up on the days where you want to cry and rejoices with you on the days where you want to fly. Church of Jesus Christ. Don't believe the lies. Seek the truth. Jesus came so that you could find it and know it and the truth will set your sons and your daughters and you and I free. Let's pray. Father, together we've been lied to and we acknowledge we have breathed in the lies. We have spent most of our lives trying to figure out how to work them so, so we could get something that we thought would, would fulfill us. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts so that we might see again Lord, would you speak truth into our souls so that our spirit would come, could come back to life? Lord, bind the words of the enemy. Bind the words of the world. And help us to understand the truth of who you are and who we are and who Jesus is. It's in his name we pray.